Well, hey, City Life family, so glad to be with you this week to share God's Word. And you know what? If you're not a part of the family of City Life, we want you to know that we're glad you're here as well. You know, right now is such a unique time in our world, and it's a unique time for the body of Christ to be coming together in, in various ways. And so we're glad that you're joining in with us, and we hope that while you're here, we um, help you feel like family and that you do feel like family. So, you know, as a church family, last week we started a new series called Me and My Big Mouth. And Pastor Justin from our Suffolk campus got us started uh, in this series, uh, looking in James chapter 1, such a powerful message, and really talked a lot about being quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, all of us know that is easier said than done, right? But we all can probably relate to a moment where words came tumbling out of our mouths and we wished we had been slow to speak. Like maybe it was just an awkward situation. Maybe you've done this. I have. When you looked at somebody and you said, hey, when's your baby due? And they looked back at you and said, I had the baby two weeks ago. And you just wanted to cover your head and slap yourself, right? Because you wished that you had been slow to speak in that moment. And you know, those awkward times are hard, but it's even worse when our words come tumbling out and they're harsh or they're sarcastic or they really pierce or wound someone else or maybe are just totally inappropriate. And on the flip side, we also know what it feels like when somebody else should be being slow to speak to us and when their words are piercing us or hurting us or are harsh. The bottom line is I know that we all can relate to words that have come out of our mouths way too quickly that we haven't thought about and also being the one who have words coming at us and we're looking at that person and thinking, can you, do you know what you're really saying to me? The problem is with words that once they're out there, they're out there, right? There's no taking them back. There's no do-over. There's not a rewind button that we can push on our words. So the question becomes then, as we're in this series, me and my big mouth, what are we to do with these big mouths? What are we to do with them if we struggle so much in these ways? Well, last week, like I said, God began that conversation with us through Pastor Justin and James chapter 1. But as you look at the book of James, you find that that conversation, specifically about being slow to speak, really continues in James chapter 3. So that's where we're going to be tonight. So I want to encourage you to get your Bible open. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard uh, Version. But whatever you've got, get it open, whether it's on your phone, you've got a hard copy like me. I'm also going to put it here up on the screen for you in a moment. And we'll read through the passage together. Before we do that, though, I want to pray. And then we'll read the passage and then we'll dig in to see what God has to say to us. So let's pray together, church. God, I thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come together in this unique way, Lord. Um, we're so thankful that we don't have to just be separated, that we really can draw together as a church family, that we can worship together, that we can fellowship with one another, that we can get into your word together. God, and I pray that tonight, as we talk about words, Lord, and the power of words, I pray that your holy word would be powerful 
to us, speaking into our hearts, helping us, counseling us, guiding us, and giving us life for the future of how we might use these mouths of ours in powerful life-giving ways. Bless our time together, Lord. Be right here with us in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me read from James chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 2. And James says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold the ships also. Though they are so great, they are driven by strong winds. They're still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. James goes on to say, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, he says, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is rest, a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Now we read that and it is no wonder that we need to be slow to speak, right? There is so much truth here that should cause us to really just have a holy pause before we put these mouths of ours into action. And that's really what we're talking about tonight. I think that's what God wants us to hear. Being slow to speak is really taking pause, really listening to what God has told us about our mouth, being cautionary, being mindful of what God tells us about our words. So we're going to look at this. We're going to dig into these words that God used James to write. And we're just going to see what does he tell us about being slow to speak. So first of all, from verse 2, we should all be slow to speak because our mouths are powerful. Look at verse 2 with me again. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well. You know, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that our mouths are so powerful because they're so small in comparison to the rest of our being. But as James is saying here, they really are powerful. They have the power to make a big impact. In verse 2 that I just read, he's basically saying, if you can be controlled, self-controlled in what you say, if you don't stumble in what you say, then that makes you a perfect person. In other words, your words have that much influence over the character of your whole being. He uses these examples as he goes on into verses 3 and 4. First, he talks about a horse, doesn't he, in verse 3. And he says, if you put a bit into a horse's mouth, you can control the whole horse. 
So this little thing in the horse's mouth is literally controlling this massive animal. And then in verse four, he talks about ships. And they're this huge ship. Maybe you've been on a cruise ship like me, love to go on cruise ships, this big ship. But there's a very small rudder that's literally controlling the ship. The point is a rudder or a bridle is insignificant proportionally to the massive structure but oh, that bridle or that rudder has extraordinary power to determine direction and destination. Well, in verse five, James goes on to say, so also the tongue. In other words, your tongue, your mouth is just like that. It's small, but it's powerful. You know, you think about your tongue in relation to the rest of your body. It's one of the smallest pieces of your body, right? And it is invisible most of the time, and unless you're one of those people that takes pictures a lot with your tongue sticking out, I've really never understood why people do that. That's a conversation for another day, but most of the time your tongue is invisible, and I think God made it that way for a reason, because we do need to be so careful with them. Whether it's small like a horse's bridle or that rudder, the tongue is powerful and we need to pause. We need to have holy pause before we speak and remember that our tongues are powerful. But as James goes on, we find that they're not just powerful, they're actually powerful enough to destroy. And that would be our second truth here that we really wanna look at. We should be slow to speak, church, because our mouths can destroy. See, James continues on in verse five saying, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. The idea is that the tongue, yes, as we've already talked about, it's small, but it has the power to start something that can perpetuate destruction. Not just a little bit of destruction, but a lot of destruction. In fact, James goes on to say, your entire being, we'll read that in a moment. You know, you think about it, and we all, we all are aware of this, but God's just causing us to pause tonight and ponder some of these things. A fire can be used for good, or a fire can be used for bad. And we know the same is true with what comes out of our mouths. James is likening our tongue to a fire. You know, what comes out of our mouths has the power to impact someone for good. For instance, Maybe in the home that you grew up in, your father was a very loving father, very present. And maybe he spoke words over you like, I love you. I'm so glad you're in our family. Maybe he said to you, the day you were born was the best day of my life. You know, that kind of word, that, that impacts you. And it has a rippling effect for years to come because it impacts your identity. It impacts your strength. It impacts, um, you know, your sense of belonging and worth. But in the same way, if um, you, your father or uh, uh, authority figure you over you spoke to you and, and said something along these lines, like, you're in my way, or you drive me crazy, or I wish you had never been born, we also know that those kind of words can really impact us as well. And because of that, that, that fire can continue for years, burning inside of us and burning up our identity and, and you know, attacking our sense of self-worth and belonging. It's very important 
that we realize the power of our words. They can be used for good, they can be used for evil. But the sad truth is the natural bent of our mouths, what James is saying here, the natural bent of our mouths is that it's usually toward the latter. In other words, we usually use our mouths for evil. See, James goes on to say in verse six, the tongue is a fire. That's what he calls our tongues, a fire. The very world of iniquity, meaning the tongue has a tendency towards using itself in a way that does not produce life, but it actually produces destruction. And what it speaks can be like that small spark that really just creates a raging, destructive fire. Think with me for a minute about the destruction that's often initiated by words. You know, murder often begins with an argument. Divorce can often be traced back to a conversation where there was an exchange of very hurtful words. War has been started over words. And how many people can trace their sinful life patterns back to words that were spoken over them years and years and years before this? Or maybe even words that they spoke over themselves, saying things like, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm no good, I don't belong. We must understand our words are powerful, the words that we speak to others and the words that we speak to ourselves. Words are powerful, but not just powerful for good. They have the power to destroy. And not just part of our lives, but actually, like I said a moment ago, and we're reading here right in verse 6, the entire person. The entire person. You know, you think about this too. You don't just put a child's mouth into timeout if they speak to you disrespectfully. You put the whole child into timeout, right? If a teenager is being rebellious with their words, you don't just ground the, teenage, the teenager's mouth, you ground the whole teenager, right? In the same way, you don't divorce a mouth, you divorce a spouse. A, a, a boss is not going to fire the mouth of a person, right? No, he gets rid of the entire person if their mouth has been out of control. And if I could just paraphrase it like this, and put verse six into my own words, I would say, your mouth, my mouth, is the enemy's favorite toy on the playground. You think about that. The enemy loves to get a hold of our tongue and use it in destructive ways. And you know, when you really think about this, as the more I meditated on this passage, the Holy Spirit dropped this into my heart. It only makes sense that the enemy loves to use our mouth and how much power our mouth has because we are created in God's image. And you think about how powerful God's mouth is. I mean, all you have to do is go back to the book of Genesis and read in the first couple chapters and see that God literally spoke the world into existence. So I don't even need to elaborate on that. That is, that is clearly um, truth that God's mouth is powerful. Well, you and I were created in the image of God and the enemy knows how powerful our mouths are as well. God gave us mouths that have a power. And so the enemy loves to get on our tongue, to use our mouths, to play on that all day long and then just leave a, a tra trail of destruction along the way. You know, these are sobering truths. They might feel really heavy in this moment, but hang with me because it is going to get better. But they should give us pause. And, and a lot of this, it's not like it's something that we don't know or that we've never heard, 
But sometimes we just need to remember again and afresh how powerful our words are and that they can literally destroy. They can literally destroy. But let's, look, let's continue to look. Another truth would be we should be slow to speak because our mouths are untamable. You know, after James has already said all of this heavy stuff, he keeps going in verses 7 and 8 where he says every species of beast and birds, and he goes on to name some, and he, he says they've been tamed by the human race. But then he says something that's so sobering in verse 8. He says, but no one, no one can tame the tongue. It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot tame your tongue. And he tells us why. He says, because it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Now, if we were not already aware of the depravity of our mouths, well, there you have it, right? And it might just cause you, you know, to just want to tape your mouth up and, and never speak again. Because not only does James tell us here that our mouths are untamable, he uses some really, really harsh words to describe our mouths. Some words that could be offensive to us if we didn't have a heart open to listen to God's truth and know that God's always working good even as he speaks these things to us. But James tells us that our tongue is a restless evil. You know, if you go back to the original meaning of that word restless, it means unstable, like totally unpredictable. Have you ever said this? Have you ever said, I can't believe I just said that? Or maybe about something that somebody said to you, I can't believe she just said that. The reason we say things like that is because so many times what comes out of our mouth is unstable. It's unpredictable. We, you know, we're going to talk in a moment about how many times we can be saying one thing like praising God in the next moment, we can be saying something that's totally perverted. Our mouths are unpredictable. They are a restless evil. And actually James uses these words as well, full of deadly poison. Like we are walking around with the potential to kill somebody with our words. So it's no wonder that James says, if that's true, and it is, that our tongues are a restless evil and full of deadly poison, it's no wonder that he says no one can tame the tongue. So what are we to do? That's what we're trying to figure out tonight as we listen to the Lord. Because it could sound like that these truths are leading us to just a place of discouragement. Like when we ask the question, what are we to do with these big mouths of ours? It's like, well, I don't really know. Better tape it up or maybe it's not such a bad idea that we're all wearing masks these days, right? Because you need to close that thing or cover it because it just can't be controlled. But you know what? I know it sounds like that, but I want to encourage you to hang with me because there is going to be some really encouragement coming. We're going to find that in just a moment. It's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. We're going to look at one more thing, but then the Lord is going to really just turn this all upside down. And I believe give us a very strong word for going forward with what we're to do with our mouth. So let's look one more here. It's going to be really corrective in nature. It says we should be slow to speak because our mouths can confuse. You know, in verses 8 through 12, 
James had told us that no one can tame the tongue. And then he begins to compare some things that are happening. See, he's speaking to the believers here. And he's talking to them about their mouths. And he says to them, you know, you're blessing the Lord in, in one sense, and then you're turning around and cursing people with your mouth. And he asks in verse 10, he says, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And he says this phrase that we're going to land on in a moment. He says, it ought not to be this way. And he gives some more examples, talking about a fountain, saying, can, they, can a fountain send out fresh and bitter water from the same source? And the answer is no, right? And, and then he asked about a tree, you know, can a, a fig tree produce olives or a vine produce figs? And he says, neither can salt water produce fresh. The point is, it's super confusing when we use our mouths in polarizing ways. God used James to say, it shouldn't be this way. See, he was speaking to the church at that time. And yes, probably many of them had learned how to use their mouths to praise God and to speak life sometimes because God had started doing a work in them. They had been discipled in the church, in the Holy Spirit, just like many of us have been as well. But he also is, is saying there's these two opposite things that are coming out of your mouth. And he says, it shouldn't be like that. And it shouldn't have been like that back then. And church, it shouldn't be like that today either. But it often is. If we're really honest with ourselves, it often is. Let me elaborate or just describe some scenarios that you, like me, are probably familiar with. You know, when we as believers spend moments in church gatherings or, you know, even just in our homes or in our car, you know, we're worshiping God, we're saying, Jesus, we love you, we're exalting his name. And then we turn around and go home and, you know, we speak harshly or, um, you know, condescendingly to our spouse or, or to our children. What we're doing is we're causing confusion. We're causing confusion about the love of God. When, when we as believers, you know, gather with our coworkers or we're at work in the workplace or maybe at school, you know, out in the community doing the things and we talk about being a part of the body of Christ and, hey, I did this with my church the other day or, you know, I, I served here at the church or, you know, just talking about church life. And we all know it's such a rich, a rich experience to be in the family of God. But then out of that same mouth, a few moments later, you know, we're underhandedly, um, you know, speaking ill of, of a coworker. Um, we're saying things that about other people um, that are valued in God's eyes, but now we have just slandered them. When we as believers stand up in the church, right? And we pray for people or we speak a word or we teach or, you know, uh, all the different ways. We lead worship, all those different kinds of things. But then we get on our social media platforms and we blast someone or we speak in perverse ways. It just doesn't make sense, right? And what it does is it confuses people about the character and the nature of God. And James asks a question here. And it's a question we all need to pause and consider. He says, can a fountain send out both fresh and bitter water from the same opening? And the answer is no. The answer is no. 
Now that doesn't mean that you won't find bitter water out of a place that's supposed to be producing fresh. We do come across that at times, but, but what it does mean is that there's been some kind of perversion somehow. Somehow another source has seeped into, into that spring line, right? And so then you're starting to get that bitter water. And what happens is that once you begin to discover that, maybe you've been at school or you've been at work or, you know, even, even in the church building, whatever, and you get some water out of a water fountain and it doesn't taste good, what do you begin to do? You begin to avoid that water fountain and you tell other people, oh, that, that water tastes bad. Don't, don't use that, right? And that's what can begin to happen when we speak in polarizing ways. We confuse people and you know what? People will begin to draw away from us. We'll even begin to confuse ourselves. When we are not slow to speak, and we're speaking in polarizing ways, especially about the love of God, and then we act opposite and we speak opposite words, we cause confusion. James says, these things ought not to be this way. And I believe, church, that that's the point of this whole passage, because our mouths were never intended for evil. God created our mouths in His image to speak forth life. But we all know when sin entered the world, Satan started his destructive work. And, and I believe from this passage even that one of his greatest places to work is in our mouths. And he started filling our mouths with fire from hell. He started perverting the purpose of why God created our mouths in the first place. And James is calling the children of God, the people of God to live differently to be slow to speak, to realize what is going on in the enemy, getting, trying to have control of our mouths, but that we would be slow to speak and we would begin to allow the Lord to redeem that. See, our mouths might be untamable, but they are not unredeemable. And I believe that is where this passage is moving. And you might not see that right on the surface. In the verses that we read, you might say, well, it doesn't say that. But let me tell you, when you meditate on Scripture, God begins to take you deeper into the heart of the passage. And as you know the whole counsel of the Word of God, He can have rich conversations with you about things that are right here. And I believe there is a very clear word here in this passage that we need to be slow to speak because our mouths can bring life. See, all we have to do is just flip it up on the other side. In the same way that our mouths are powerful for destruction, our mouths are powerful for good. In the same way that our mouths can destroy, our mouths can build up. In the same way that our mouths can cause confusion, our mouths can be used to bring so much clarity for ourselves and for others. And when our mouths are surrendered to Christ, I mean, the, the possibilities are limitless. Literally life, life can come forth from our mouths. Now it will take intention. Absolutely it will take intention. Intention to be slow to speak. And we have to learn what that looks like because we are usually so quick with our words. Left to ourselves, our mouths are full of iniquity. We cannot forget that. They are a restless evil. They are deadly poison. So that means, church, that we can't ever just set our mouths in a room and just let them hang out loose, right? With no barriers. That means we can't just set our mouths in the middle of our social media platforms without some controls around our mouths. 
That's like lighting a match and just throwing it into a room and letting it burn. That's like putting a, a raging lion into the room and saying, oh, he's so sweet. He won't hurt you. Don't worry about it, right? I mean, we would never do that. But we might light a fire in a fireplace and make sure that it's contained and have some really sweet moments around that fire life-giving moments, right? We might go to a zoo and see a lion who has been tamed into a cage and look at him and have some really special times doing that. And in the same way, if we will give holy pause to our words and intention them on purpose for good, our mouths really can bring forth life. I want you to look back with me at the passage because there are several things that I believe are hidden beneath the surface that can really help us to be intentional with our mouths for life. And here's the first one. I would call it this. Employ the director. So if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Employ the director. Did you see in verses 3 and 4 in the examples about the horse and the ship? Both of those things had a director. For the horse, it was the director is, you know, holding that bridle and directing that horse. For the ship is a pilot and he's directing that rudder wherever he wants that ship to go. Our mouths might be untamable, but with holy pause, being slow to speak and intentionality, they can be redeemed by employing a director. We just have to make sure that we employ the right one, right? So who is the right director for our mouths? Well, let me tell you, it's not me and it's not you either. This mouth might be in my body, but I am not trustworthy enough to direct it. I need to employ the Holy Spirit every single day to direct the words that are coming out of these lips. I have to do that. The difference between the horse and the ship compared to the fire that James talks about in verses 5 and 6, is that the horse and the ship had a director. The fire did not. It was just set on fire by hell and let loose to burn wherever it wanted. So we have to employ the Holy Spirit as the director of our mouths. They cannot be left without a director. Otherwise, the Word of God, you'll see it play out in your life. You will just leave a trail of destruction Everywhere you go with your mouth, not even realizing it many times. Has somebody ever come back to you later and shared with you how your words hurt and you didn't even know? Fire just burns. It just burns. But in the same way, that, that words of life, I've also had people come back to me and said, you know what, when you said this, it was so powerful in my life and I didn't even know it. But I can be intentional about the life and really pray and really hand those reins over to the Holy Spirit. When our mouths have a director, I believe that life can come forth and we can set our mouths in the right direction. But there's also more to see in this passage. And the second thing I believe is that this passage calls us to make sure that we are sourcing our mouths. Did you see in verses 11 and 12 in the examples about the fountain and, and the trees, both of them had one source one source. For the fountain, it was to be one source of water. For the tree, it could only have one kind of root to make sure that it was producing a specific kind of fruit. Our mouths are powerful, 
but the source of our mouth, what is sourcing, what is coming out of our mouths, determines the words, determines the, the, um, if our words are going to produce destruction or life. And so we've got to be intentional to make sure that we're sourcing our words with life. Then that's what's going to come forth from our lips. So who is that one source? Well, again, it's not me and it's not you. The Bible says, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speaks. So I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be sourcing your heart every day with His Word, with His presence. You know, I was thinking, even just this um, today, as I was pondering this message, I was thinking about times that I've been in a foreign country, and especially like where there's an accent. And I find the longer I'm there, I start like talking with an accent. Have you ever been around people that do that? And my husband has laughed at me for doing that before. But that's what happens. Whatever we're around, we begin to take on that kind of language. And in the same way, as we are in God's word and we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that word is going to begin to be what comes out of our mouths. Our mouths have such a potential for life. Left to themselves, they are untamable and they do produce destruction. But with a couple intentional practices like employing the Holy Spirit as the director of your mouth and sourcing your mouth with life-giving words from the Word of God and the presence of the Lord, our mouths really can bring forth life. We're going to start to bring our thoughts to a close and I, I really want us to just come back to where we started, being quick to listen, slow to speak. You know, all night we've been talking about this idea of being slow to speak, why we need to be slow to speak and how we actually can be. The why is that these mouths are really powerful, powerful enough to destroy, they're untamable, they can cause great confusion but they're also powerful to bring forth life, right? But we've also talked about the how, employing the Holy Spirit as director and sourcing our mouths with life. But just to make it super simple as we close things out, I think we really can sum it up in three words. These three words, remember, surrender, and confess. Let me share what I mean by that. Remember, remember these truths. God gave them to us so that we would be mindfully aware, so that we would have holy pause with our words. We can't just get up every day and just not think about our words. We have to be intentional because we remember how powerful our words are. When we go to have conversations, when we begin to speak, that we would have that holy pause to remember. We also need to surrender every single day to being sourced and being directed. We have to surrender to that. You know, if you've ever had any kind of health issues or things like that, there are things that you have to do every day. Maybe you have to put in contacts every single day, right? Or you won't be able to see, or you have to reach for your glasses. That's just one example of many we could give. But you have to be mindful about that every day. In the same way, you've got to take care of your mouth and surrender that to the Holy Spirit every day. If, if you had a great day yesterday with your words, you can't count on that for today. Because what? Our mouths are a restless evil. They're unpredictable. So every day, every moment, every new conversation, we're mindfully handing over our mouths to the Holy Spirit. We surrender. And then lastly, we confess. 
You know, because we do live in a broken world and because um, discipleship and sanctification is a process, we're not going to get it right. We're not going to hear this message and, you know, then be able to totally bridle our tongue for the, for the rest of our lives. It's not like that. There's going to be times where we make mistakes and we say things we shouldn't have said. We need to be quick then to confess. We need to own that. If we start a fire, we need to own it. We need to stand up and say, I started that fire. We need to look at our child and say, you know what? Mommy just spoke really harshly to you and you did not deserve that and I was wrong. Will you forgive me? We need to talk to our coworker in that way or ask our spouse to forgive us if we speak in those kind of ways. And even that, that action of confession will cause us next time to be slow to speak. The Holy Spirit will bring those things back to remembrance and he'll coach us through this. He wants our mouths to be used for life. I just want to share one story with you as we finish out. And it's just something that I've had to learn to do personally. It's a challenge that God has given me in the last few years with my own mouth. And, and I would call it this, live with the attitude that I have the right. Live with the attitude that I have the right. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I'll explain what I mean by that. So maybe you've heard people say, and I've been one of those people that have said this, well, I'm 50 and I don't care. In other words, I can say what I want. I've kind of earned the right. Now people say that when they turn 30, they say it when they turn 40. Teenagers say it probably, right? You know, I'm old enough, I can say what I want to say. And we have that mindset, we kind of laugh at that, and I'll be the first to tell you, I've said that too. When I turn 50, I'm like, great, I can say whatever I want. But in that season, the Lord began to say no, you don't have the right to just say whatever you want, but you do have a right. You have a right to speak life. I have deposited my Holy Spirit within you. I have given you a tool that is powerful, made in my image to bring forth life. And I want you to live as if you have the right to speak life wherever you go. I've had to switch that up from I've got the right to say whatever I want to I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have a tool that's so powerful that he gave me. I can literally spread life wherever I go. And when we begin to live with that mindset, we flipped this whole negative perversion that the enemy has tried to enact in our mouths. We flip it upside down and we start having a victory and seeing life reverberate. Let me just share this story with you of something that recently happened. It's just a little thing, a little moment that I took my right to speak life and the reverberations of life have been so amazing for me to watch. So a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine from a long time ago posted a picture on social media and it was of his parents. His father was my pastor when I was a little girl. And when I became a Christian at eight years old, his father was the one who received my confession of Christ and then he baptized me that day. It was actually April 8th, 1974. I'm sorry, April 7th, 1974. And I was you know, just a little girl then, and I've grown up in the faith, and I've, I've learned to celebrate that spiritual birthday over the years. In fact, some of you that follow me on social media, you might have even seen where I did that a few weeks ago. So anyway, he posts this picture of his parents. His parents had recently passed away, both of them, in the last couple of years, and he, he was saying, boy, I miss my parents. And I just scrolling through social media one day, I see that post, and you know, I could have just gone right on by. But the Holy Spirit gave me that sense. You know, you, you know his prodding, you know his prompting. He had the reins of my mouth and it was like, speak life here. 
And so I just popped on and I, I spoke life and I said, Chuck, I said, you know what? I love your parents. Your dad had such a powerful influence in my life. And I said, he's the one that baptized me into Christ. And all these years later, I said, I just celebrated my 46th spiritual birthday last week. Well, later that evening, he posted something on my wall. And it was this picture. I want to show it to you here. I had never seen this before, but you can see right here, there's my name, April 7th, 1974, Sharon Marshall, which was my maiden name. That was my address. This was um, the fact, was I single? I was. I was eight years old. And then I confessed Christ and I was baptized. And he went on to share that this book was a ministry book that his dad had throughout his whole years of ministry. And every time somebody came to Christ or rededicated their life to Christ, he would write them down. I had never seen that. And he, he put that on my wall and I saw it right before I went to bed. And I'm telling you, seeing my name, those words, my name on that page, like did something in my heart. And immediately the Holy Spirit took my mind to the place to see that my name is also written in a book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And something so powerful just exploded on the inside of me, thinking all these years my name has been in this book and I didn't even know it. That he saw me enough, that he cared enough to put my name on this, on this page. Several times through the night, that night I woke up and it was just right here in my mind. It just meant so much to me. So the next morning I wrote a post as well. Some of you that follow me, you might have seen it. But the sweet thing was that as I did that and I put this picture and shared about how special it had been and seeing my name in that vision of the Lamb's Book of Life, all these people started commenting. People whose names are right here on this page. People that I didn't even know. Somebody said, one of my friends, he called out somebody else, this guy, Greg Wilson, he's on here somewhere, where, and he tagged him and he said, hey, your name's in this book. My brother and my mom had a conversation later about where my brother's name is in this book. And then my mom told me a story about how when Wendell Baggett came and visited them and, and he literally had to, his wife had to drive him in a car as he laid in the back seat because his back was so hurt, but he wanted to come and share Jesus with them. And then they got saved and baptized the next week. So many interesting things, life-giving conversations that have just reverberated where people are remembering when they got saved just from this little picture, just from a comment. It was all initiated from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, bless him with a life-giving word. Let him know how much his parents meant to you. We have no idea. That's just a simple little thing. The power of our words, how they can reverberate life. And so if we will live with the right, knowing we have a right to speak life, God can take over these mouths and do some incredible, incredible things. And you know, you might even be watching tonight and you do not know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. You've never really come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and if that's the case, then the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you right now. So you don't even have the capability of turning the reins over to him because he's not <clears throat> living within you. But all of that can change even tonight. Your name can be recorded there. You're going to see a, a button pop up in the chat window here that if you would like to receive Jesus, we want to encourage you and invite you to do that. And that, if you just click on that button, that will initiate us being able to pray for you and um, to navigate with you through that decision. So I do pray that if that describes you, that you would definitely make that decision tonight. You know, my prayer for our time together in God's word has really been that life will begin to reverberate 
through our homes and through our communities as we take the right that we have to use these powerful mouths that we have in life-giving ways. Lord Jesus, we ask that that would be so. We ask, Lord, that you would burn it in our hearts. Help us to remember, God. Help us to remember these truths, how powerful our mouths are. But help us to also be energized with the truth that we have the power to use these words and these mouths, God, for life, to change people's lives, not just a little bit, but their entire being can be changed. Just like you changed the, this earth that was formless and void by your word, we can change the course of our own lives and the course of people's lives around us by the powerful life-giving words that you source us with. Lord, tonight we hand you the reins of our mouth, Lord. We ask that you would source our mouths with life-giving truth, with the love of God, with the hope and the passion of the Holy Spirit, God. Thank you so much for giving us these truths and not leaving us in a place of discouragement, God but showing us how we can live and speak life. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us, church.